Mac Power Users, episode 691, Workflows with David Rosenthal. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett. I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Stephen. I am particularly happy that you are back with us this week. You've had you had quite a run for the last few weeks. Yeah, I. Uh, if you if you listen to Connected or follow me online, you may have seen I was in a, a pretty serious car accident two weeks ago. But uh, I came out with minor injuries uh, and um, well on the road to being mended. So thank you all. I got a lot of nice notes from listeners uh, and emails and tweets and stuff. So thank you all. And it is good to be back at work in one piece. Yeah. When you sent me a picture of what happened to your truck, I it was pretty scary, man. I don't recommend being upside down in a vehicle. Let's just, yeah. <laughs> let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. But you did, in, in fairness, you did completely destroy trash can. That trash can lost the fight. I did. I did run over this, this family's garbage cart accidentally on my way to flipping over. And uh, my wife, who is a saint, went on the city website and ordered them a replacement. And I drove by oh, there right. a couple of days ago, and the replacement is there. So uh, everything is all is all squared away on the trash can front. All right. Well, I am glad that you're safe and glad that you're back and looking forward to the show. We've got a guest we've really been looking forward to. Before we do, on more power users today, and that is the... Uh, paid for version of the Mac power users where you get the ad free version with the additional content. Steve and I will be talking about our thoughts as we're a month away from WWDC, but that's coming a little later. First, I want to introduce you to our guests. Welcome to the Mac power users, David Rosenthal. Hey guys. Uh, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah. David, somebody sent me a link of an interview you did with uh, one of the music uh, publications uh, a while back. And I was watching it thinking, Boy, this is a dream guest for the Mac Power user. So uh, I'm going to let you introduce yourself uh, in more detail, but just to to kind of set the stage, see how I did that. Hey, hey, that's good. Yeah, Yeah, David (laughs) is a keyboardist, but also a Mac nerd extraordinaire. Um, His well, David, tell us what your job is. (laughs) Well, I have a lot of different jobs, but uh, all of it uh, in one way or another. uh, The Mac seems to infiltrate everything that I do. So yeah, I do a lot of things. My uh, uh, biggest job right now certainly uh, is musical director and keyboardist for Billy Joel. Uh, I've been with Billy for 30 years, and we are currently doing the uh, monthly residency at Madison Square Garden. Uh, this week will be show number 90 in uh, 90 months, uh, 90 sellouts that is in a row, interrupted, of course, by the pandemic, unfortunately. But uh, but then we continued it again afterwards. And um, it's been an amazing, uh, amazing run there. Um, so uh, yeah, we, we lifetime, it's something like 135 for Billy, of which I've done 115 of them with him. And I played there two other times with two other artists. So it's uh, kind of surreal coming out of my mouth to say that I played Madison Square Garden 117 times, but that's that's uh, that's my story, <laughs> and it's a, it's doesn't get old, and it's a pretty remarkable experience. Yeah, I was going to say, does that ever get like um, just another day at the office, or does it is it like magical every time? No, it really it really never becomes routine because we do every show is a little different. We do different set lists. Uh, there's a lot of spontaneous moments in the shows. Uh, sometimes we have guests. There's you know no two shows come out the same. Uh, of course, Billy's music is timeless, and uh, I, I never get tired of that. But the show being different every time, uh, it's it's really it's really just a whole lot of fun. Yeah. In addition to being the keyboardist, as as I understand it, you do a lot of the musical. At least in musical director. So 
you're setting up a lot of the technology, uh, the music technology behind it, which is driven by and large by Apple. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, uh, Apple plays a big role in, in everything I do. Uh, um, I'm using uh, multiple computers on stage for main stage, a, a system and a B system uh, with uh, real-time redundancy, which we can talk a little bit more about that later in detail. Yeah. It's it's always been a part of what I, what I do. And now basically it's the engine of my entire keyboard rig, uh, which was unfathomable when I started out in this business back in uh, 1981. It was just, you know, who, who would have ever thought um, that it would come to this. My, my first tours that I did were pre-MIDI, uh, and uh, the newest thing that was coming out then was polyphony on synthesizers, and the, and the ability to be able to save a patch on only the newest synthesizers was 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 a brand new feature. So uh, that you know, I toured in that level, and I've, I've been doing this professionally since that time period, and it's really remarkable to think how far things have evolved uh, yeah. in, in ways that nobody could have foreseen. Yeah, I always feel I'm fortunate. Um, I'm in my mid 50s, and I was able to grow up with the original, you know, computers that came out, and mm-hmm. I saw them when they only had 4K of memory. And I feel like you've kind of had a similar path with music, as as technology inserted itself into music. You've actually seen the entire journey over the course of your career. Totally. I mean, my my first Mac was a a Mac Plus with um, uh, I think it had one meg of RAM, and uh, and uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's remarkable how it's come. It had a floppy disk in those days. And, um, it was just in the beginning when MIDI was being introduced, uh, to computers. And, uh, I was on tour at that time with Cindy Lauper. This is the true colors world tour, 1986 to 87. And I picked up a Mac plus because I heard that there were some, some, uh, interesting apps that were, or applications that what could be used for music, which, which was like, you know, kind of head scratching at the time. How can I use computers in music? This mm-hmm. is really fascinating. Uh, so, but they were starting to come out with just uh, uh, some of the earliest uh, synthesizer editors from Opcode uh, so that you could have, uh, you can edit your DX7 and um, things like that. And, and the early days of sequencing, uh, Vision was around and um, a company Passport had a, had a, a sequencer called Master Tracks Pro, which I used. And um, yeah, it was just the early days, but I was fascinated by it, uh, but not yet using it professionally. Uh, but what I did is I, I picked one up and I took it on tour with me. And I, I, I every night when I got into the hotel, I would be setting it up in my room and I had all this extra time. And that's when I really sort of, you know, got bitten by the bug of like, wow, this is this is really a cool way to do what I do already. But but I can just get in deeper with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, o- over time, it just kept growing and the computers get more powerful. Um, but even even in those days, I couldn't imagine that one day my entire keyboard rig would be uh uh, running on Macintosh. It's just, just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, talking about a Mac plus to Stephen Hackett is like throwing red meat. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. a big vintage, uh, Mac fan. I was just thinking, I think the Mac plus weighs like 16 pounds. I mean, uh, you know, I could see like lugging that around and getting it set up. And I'm sure the, the journey has been incredible to see how that's, uh, matured and really moved into areas that were just, seemingly impossible that is that is really cool to hear about yeah well i mean by today's standards yes i was lugging it around but at that time it was remarkable that i could have a computer that i could even carry yeah you know so (laughs) so everything is relative um Mm -hmm. so to to me that was remarkably portable and uh you know all you had to do is plug in the keyboard and the mouse and the uh uh let's see if i'm testing my memory here i think it was an opcode studio 2 midi interface 
that was the first uh, MIDI interface that I used. And, and uh, you know, it all fit in this little blue carry bag. And, um, yeah, so it's uh, – and I took it on the, on the tour bus with me and um, – uh, yeah, so so it didn't seem like I was lugging it then. I was thrilled to yeah. be using it, but by certainly by today's standards, it would be right. lugging. A yeah, whole it wasn't lot of the stuff size around. of a washing machine, right? Exactly. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, how did let's let's back up a little bit more. How did you first get in, into music? I mean, you you've talked about your uh, your career a little bit and how that started with the tech, but you know, let's let's roll back the clock to a to a uh, a young David. Is this something you were interested in? As long as you can remember, what is kind of that origin story? Yeah, always. Uh, music has always been forefront in my life. I started piano lessons when I was seven and started playing in bands when I was like 12. And uh, I got my first synthesizer when I was 14, I think. Uh, and uh, yeah, I got bit by the bug early of, of the idea of of keyboardists in in rock bands, uh, listening to Rick Wakeman and Keith Emerson, uh, Chick Corea. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the, the keyboard players from, from that time period, uh, Uriah Heep, I used to, used to listen to Ken Hensley, um, and they all had B3 organs and, and they had synthesizers, mostly Minimogs in those days. Although Rick Wakeman had a pretty big setup of some other things. And I was just fascinated right from the beginning. Uh, the first time I ever heard a synthesizer, I was going to a music camp, uh, when I was, uh, I think 14 and, um, they played me a Tomita record. Uh, it was pictures at an exhibition, which is done on all synthesizer on a big Moog, Moog modular, one note at a time. And I was just like, wow, this is what I want to do. And uh, I just just became my passion to learn how to do that. And um, so I got my first synth, uh, you know, later that year and started learning about signal flow and 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 how synthesizers work and all that stuff. And, and I was using it in bands right away. Um, uh, of course, you know, the computerized versions of that were a long way off, but I was fortunate to to then you know study synthesis along with audio recording and piano performance at Berkeley, uh, and uh, you know that's where I was fortunate in those days to learn on p- patch cable synths, so uh, and 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 early audio recording studios. So you really um, had to learn signal flow. If you didn't have signal flow down, you could you didn't get a sound. You know, you had to connect the uh, the, the the oscillator to the uh, to the filter to the amplifier, and then you know add, everything you had to do had to be patched. And if you didn't do it right, you didn't get any sound at all. So you had to learn how it worked. You had to understand it. And uh, the, the, what's really cool about that is that everything that happens today inside a computer, whether it's, you know, a plug-in or whatever software you're using, signal flow is signal flow. So the, the basics of signal flow that I learned all the way back then have just become, you know, a really deeply ingrained part of everything I do. Granted, it looks totally different uh, and how you use it is different and what you can do is so much more powerful, but under the hood, it's all just still the same thing. Yeah, and I would imagine that you know, growing up with that really gave you such an inherent understanding about it that the modern digital tools are are much easier for you to manage and control. Exactly. Yeah, I was at the Nam Show last year. I I live in Orange County, California, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. Nam Show happens here near Disneyland every year. And uh, yeah, they, I, I go every year. <laughs> oh well, next year yeah. I'll, I'll I'll look for you. But the um, <laughs> I noticed that now those old style synthesizers with all the patch cables are coming back. There's several manufacturers making them again. And that's true. Yeah. And it's interesting to me. It's like, it reminds me of like how uh, younger people like want to get into vinyl or whatever. Now mm-hmm. the younger musicians want to kind of go back to the beginning with synthesizers and you see them getting really into the the patch cables and doing it the old way. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's true. And and they sound amazing and they're and they're very powerful. Uh for me personally, I am not willing to give up recallability. Uh yeah. it, to me that's everything of being able to, you know, uh spend as much time as I want programming a sound, getting it dialed in exactly right and then being able to recall it at the touch of a button. So, you know, do the do the hardware synth sound better than plugins? Yeah, a little bit. Uh but to me it's not worth the trade-off. For uh, for losing the the recallability and the portability of it, it's just like us older guys don't want LPs because we remember them. You know, <laughs> I I remember when I was twelve, I melted my Miles Davis record and it broke my heart because I mowed a lot of lawns <laughs> to pay for that record. And you know, like, <laughs> as you get older, like you, you you're wiser. But I get it that uh, younger folk want to kind of learn kind of the nuts and bolts of it, just like you did. And I think that's actually kind of cool. But yeah. I'm with you. I, I don't see you like going on the road with Billy Joel carrying like, you know, 30 linear feet of cables to hook up your, Hey, wait a second, Billy, I got to reprogram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I did, I did uh, tour, you know, many, many years with carrying a lot of synths and modules around, by the way, yeah. just on a side note, I cut a lot of lawns too, to, uh, when I was a kid to pay for my first synthesizer Oh, I bet. because when I, my, my parents <laughs> thought that, no, no, that's a toy. You don't really need that. And if you want it that bad, you pay for it. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So I went and cut lawns uh, until I could buy my first uh, synthesizer, which yeah. was a Roland SH-1000. Well, we're of a similar age. I, I also was very into music as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember going to the music store the first time they set up the synthesizers and pressing a key and hearing a violin. And I was thinking, that is amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like earth shattering to me. That was even before they really had a lot of different sounds. Anyway, I see, this is why Steven's here. I'm not allowed to do these, these conversations. <laughs> uh, one other thing, uh, Berkeley it is a, a well-known, probably one of the premier music schools in the United States. The, uh, so a lot of people I know went there for jazz, you know, because mm-hmm. that was known for that, but it is a big school for commercial music, Broadway. I know you've got done some Broadway work too. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, did, so how, how were they back then with all the electronic music? I know they're super into it now, but was, was that like cutting edge when you were there? Well, they were ahead of the curve even at that time. Uh, there really were no other schools doing that. Most of the other music schools in that time period when I went, uh, 78 to 81, um, it was, uh, was, um, you know, more traditional, mostly classical, some offered jazz, uh, but very few schools, uh, if any, had synthesizers and recording studios and things like that. So when I uh, went to go look at Berkeley, um, you know, I was going to audition for Manhattan School of Music and and go down that route. And then I went to go see Berkeley and uh, I was like, game over, I'm going here. And I canceled yeah. all my other auditions and and everything. And that was it. I just, uh, Berkeley was, the, was the, the only choice for me. You saw the toys and you said, I'm in. Well, yeah, and I just saw that they that it was that they had a contemporary feel to it, and that it was about you know yes they had the, all, all the they had great teachers there. I, I got I had some great classical teachers there, and uh, uh, and learned orchestration and all kinds of things. But I also got the technological education that I wanted, and that was really important. Yeah, and I just want to call out one thing for I do a Jazz Friday post at Max Sparky frequently, and you had mentioned uh, Chick Corea. For listeners who have never listened to Chick Corea, he is maybe one of the greatest keyboardists of all time, and mm-hmm. I'll just. I just want to put an asterisk there. Go listen yep. to him on Apple Music, guys. He's amazing. I'll second and, uh, that. <laughs> and he re- recently left us last year. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. Um, you've also done work on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so uh, I worked on a couple of Broadway shows doing synth programming and uh, also was an associate musical supervisor on um, Moving Out, which was uh, based on Billy's music. 
and uh, yeah, so that was kind of a, a way to put together uh, a lot of the different knowledges that I've gained over the years. Uh, the second show that I did was Tale of Two Cities, and uh, my role there was to the the original or- um, the uh, orchestration was for a full orchestra, but in Broadway you only have a small pit with a small number of musicians. So I had to create a reduction of the score down to 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 be played by lesser people and then have all of the missing parts covered by two different keyboard players. So I had to write the book for them or the, all the parts that they would do and then set it up so that uh, so that uh, the, each player could just uh, step on a, a advanced program button, which would be written in the score. All well, they didn't have to know anything about technology whatsoever. All they, they would be just be reading the music and then they would see, press the button here. <laughs> That's all they had yeah. to do. And it, and it would change to the next sound and everything was set up. So that was, uh, that was really really cool, uh, um, you know, different, different, uh, uses of, um, of some of my different knowledges. Yeah. And in addition to all that, David, you also compose your own music. Yeah. I, uh, I do a lot of things and <laughs> run the gamut of everything. I've had my own band, uh, and, uh, and, uh, written for a lot of different things. Uh, and I'm also an orchestrator, uh, ranger, uh, and, uh, yeah. And, and a synthesizer programmer. I do that sometimes for other artists, even if I'm not the keyboard player in the band, I, um, uh, uh, redesigned Bruce Springsteen's keyboard rigs for both of his keyboard players on the wrecking ball tour, uh, and redesigned it and programmed everything up and, uh, trained their keyboard techs. And, uh, yeah, so I, I've done that for actually for a lot of different artists. And, uh, so I don't always have to necessarily be the performer, mm-hmm. uh, although I get what, uh, they need because, you know, I also do that job too. I know what it's like to be on stage and I know what it's like to rely on technology. So, um, you know, I'm able to build in all of those uh, things into setting up a keyboard rig for somebody else. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm sure in that sort of situation, your experience and wealth of knowledge makes you a much better, you know, consultant or someone helping out with a project than, than other people. I know, um, before I did podcasting for a living, I spent some time as a consultant in the Apple world and that, experience is something that when you bring to the table, you know, it really sets you apart. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Go to onepassword.com slash MPU to get 20% off. Did you know that 1Password is the best password solution for your business? With 1Password, you can take the guesswork out of logins, shadow IT, and infrastructure secrets so you can keep your people safe and your business moving. 1Password makes it so much easier to simplify your security operations. You can get a comprehensive overview of your security posture, manage your team, generate reports, and even see who's traveling all from one place. With 1Password for Business, you can monitor password health, potential breaches, and team usage from a unified insights dashboard and take action when you need to. And best of all, it solves all the pesky problems of passwords in your business. You can autofill and securely share logins. You can set up two-factor authentication codes, security questions, and much more. So the secure thing to do is always the easy thing to do. If you want even more granularity, they've got advanced protection that allows you to create custom password policies and sign-in rules and monitor access for events like sign-in attempts. I've heard from a bunch of MPU listeners that are using 1Password to run their business. If you've got a business, you should use it too. Just like we need 1Password to protect us as individuals and families, 1Password is also there for your business. To learn more, head over to onepassword.com slash MPU today and check it out. 
So let's talk about hardware for a little bit. I would love to just talk about the Mac Plus the rest of the time, but I've been told I'm not allowed to do that. <laughs> we'll talk about it on the road in a, in a little while. But when you're, uh, you know, sort of a typical day, what does your Apple gear look like? Let's let's start with the Mac since that's the heart of this. Well, I actually have multiple setups uh, that I use, so I would have to talk about them individually. I mean, I use, uh, you know, a MacBook Pro for my office and 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 to run all of my um, my. Uh, uh, business on it, uh, mm-hmm. that I, I take that pretty much everywhere wh- whenever I go, um, wherever I go. Um, uh, but it's dedicated to that. And then, uh, my assistant has an iMac and, uh, here in my studio, um, I have a, a trash can. Am I allowed to call it that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, powering the studio, uh, with a pro tool system. And, um, uh, but then on stage, uh, for, for touring, I use uh, I have two trash cans uh, mounted in uh, in a rack next to each other. They're identical systems, both running run main stage, uh, and they run all the time in tandem. Such that if any either one of them were to lock up at any point in time, I can with a foot switch change all the outputs. So uh, so uh, both computers are running all the time in tandem, but only one set of outputs are live at any given moment. Uh, so if something happens or something doesn't feel right, goes wrong, whatever, um, I can switch to the other one and mm-hmm. just keep playing with that without, uh, you know, seamlessly uh, and yep. while the first, the other machine can restart or do whatever it needs to do. All right. Now, I, I, let me interrupt there for a minute because I got it. How do you do that? What What is the hardware that allows you to switch all the outputs on one pedal? Right. So it's a, a radial SW8, uh, which is basically an eight-channel AB box. Uh, and it's just, it's just, it has a remote foot switch. So uh, I have all eight of my outputs, uh, coming into one unit, uh, from one computer, uh, you know, uh, through the ultralight, um, uh, audio interfaces that I'm using. So that the A rig, as I call it, the outputs of that go into one side of the SW8 and the B rig, uh, the second computer goes into the, uh, the other side of the SW8 and then the foot switch, uh, that I can control from stage. Um, it, uh, you know, only one set of outputs is live okay. at any given moment. Yeah. Have you ever had to use that under fire? I'm just kind of curious. Well, y- yes. I mean, it doesn't happen often, uh, especially, but it, but in, in, in the early days of a new keyboard rig or a newly designed rig, um, yeah, until you get all the bugs worked out, sometimes you come across a little something that's weird in a patch or or something whatever and or sometimes it just gets a little squirrely and uh and then i just i switch to the other system and restart the first one but but you know over the course of a uh, of a handful of gigs all those things usually get worked out and and you know i rarely if ever have to do that now uh because i have a lot of shows under my belt using a, a system that i never change it's really important if you're doing what i'm doing but my systems are they're 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 frozen you know like uh I, i'm still using catalina right now and only and during the pandemic i switched from Yosemite. So I, I did a big leapfrog. You know, I was using Yosemite long after it was completely, uh, nobody was using it anymore, but I, I had debugged my system. It it worked perfectly. And basically I don't ever connect it to the internet. I don't use it for anything else. I don't check my email or any of that mm-hmm. stuff. It's a dedicated musical instrument as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And both of them need to remain um, identical and and unchanged. So right now my my Catalina system that I'm using with Mainstage, they, they are frozen as I like to call it, um, because the, the two systems live in a truck and I can never get to them. The only time I see my gear is at soundcheck on the day of a show. And there's minimal time just to make sure everything's working, basically. Um, and then we 
we do the show. So what I also have is, so I have the A rig and B rig, as I call it on, you know, that run in tandem live during the show. But here at home, I have a C rig that is identical to those. So if Billy wants to do a new song or if I need to tweak something or work on some programs or whatever I want to do, you know, dial in some extra sounds, whatever it is that I need, I can do that at home. I put the patches on a flash drive. And then when I get to sound check, I, I uh, load them into the other system. So it's really, really imperative since my gear basically lives in a truck all the time uh, to to uh, have an identical system here at home that I can uh, program with if I need to. Yeah. We haven't talked to many people using the 2013 Mac Pro. I think a, a lot of people look at that machine and, and consider it to be a, a, a bit of a flop. But here you're using them for a long time now, and it sounds like with great uh, success. What are your thoughts on on the trash can as someone who has had them at the you know the center of so much of what you do? Well, full disclosure here, I had to replace them all at one point because they, uh, <laughs> they, um, they, GPUs. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yep. The GPU yeah. was, a, there was a problem, an inherent problem that happened with age. Uh, and, uh, and they started to rear that ugly head and do strange things. And I finally narrowed it down to that's what it was. So I replaced mm-hmm. them all, which, which with, with virtually an identical machine, except for the, uh, the newer GPU. And, uh, so, and I've been running that now for about, probably about two years since the pandemic ended. So, you know, I guess about two years or so and they're running, they're, they're pretty solid, you know? Um, but here again, I don't do anything else with these machines. Um, that's, that's it. They're set up to do exactly what I need them to do for the show. And that's it. And I'm, you know, I don't update any of the plugins, uh, even though I would love to have some of the newer things. I don't update the, the, you know, the version of main stage, nothing. It's just the system works, it's debugged and it's, and it stays the way it is. Um, until some point in the future when I have a big block of time uh, to upgrade everything and enough time to 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 troubleshoot it, which which rarely happens. I I, I rarely get an opportunity like that. The, the only time, the only reason I had a, a, all this extra time to do the last upgrade that I did was because of the pandemic. And so the you know Apple's had this uh, Apple Silicon kind of revolution, but that's not even on the radar for you because you, your machines are working already. And well, it is it it is for me to use here in my studio. I mean, I like to stay sure. current in in my studio, and I have uh, uh, another system which I call a D rig, which is just a laptop and a sort of a port more portable version of what of what I use uh, for touring. Uh, so if I if I do a local gig or something like that or a session, I can just you know bring that and that I have a, I have a little rack that. Just fits in the overhead compartment if I need to travel somewhere. It's so so that that is uh, a system that I can take some more chances with and use uh, some of the more some of the later greater stuff. Uh, but you know, generally speaking. I, I like stuff and I need stuff to work. So even though it's really tempted to be the fir- tempting to be the first guy on my block, uh, you know, the, with the coolest, newest, greatest stuff, it's not always practical to do that because you ultimately you spend a lot of time debugging stuff. Some stuff doesn't work for a while. You have to wait for new versions to come out. And, you know, I, I just I just don't have time for all that. So I would rather use a system that's a, a year or two old, tried and true and um, sort of bulletproofed and tested uh, and know that I can rely on it. That's really important to me. Yeah. We had a guest on a couple of years ago who was a film score. He does like um, the, the scoring for motion pictures mm-hmm. and he had a huge reliance on additional cards and like sound cards and uh, all that processing stuff you do when you're scoring a film. But it doesn't sound like that is something you particularly need for what you do. It's more about the patches and the instruments. 
Well, yeah, it's about the power, but it's also about reliability because you're in a live performance yeah. setting and, you know, my key, uh, my whole keyboard rig is running on a computer. It's it's the engine and, sure. uh, and, uh, and it's the lifeblood of my whole keyboard system. It has to work. You know that so so uh, yeah there's there's and, and and that's why I have all these safety net provisions which by the way I, I just wanted to, just a little side note if both computers were to go down simultaneously I have a second radial SW8 that the, that um, that can switch between whichever is my active main stage rig and the outputs of my uh, Kurzweil controller keyboard so that if both systems were to go down at the same time I could then use my Kurzweil and and play play that for half a song or a song whatever I need to do until the system gets back up and running. So I really have a lot of fail-safe um, uh, setups because, you know, I just, you know, I can't be up there uh, on stage in front of 20, 30,000 people waiting for my computer to restart. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And, you know, when they're on a truck together, you don't know, like maybe they're stored in conditions that are really hot or something and suddenly they both fail. So you do need to have something working exactly. right, when you yep. get there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And on that, on that uh, note also, I, you know, I keep time machine backups of everything. Uh, and I keep uh, a main time machine backup uh, uh, on the road with me and a backup time machine, uh, separate drive that, that lives in a separate case, travels separately uh, on the, on the road. But I also have a home backup that, you know, just in case like, you know, God forbid all, all of my gear disappears <laughs> somehow, yeah. uh, really all, all the gear is replaceable. You just have to buy new gear, but it's my work that I want to protect. So, you know, I have a backup that lives here at home as well, uh, just in case something were to happen to everything that's, that's traveling. I know we're going to hear from some listeners and say, okay, you've got this rig. What is the MIDI controller or keyboard you're using with all of that? Well, I use quite a few of them. Uh, I, I'm using uh, a Kurzweil K2600, as, uh, and I'm also using uh, two Roland Phantom uh, Phantom 8s as controllers, and I have uh, also uh, uh, Roland PK5 uh, MIDI bass pedals. Uh, and all of them are, are controllers. No, none of the outputs are going uh, live. Every All the audio is, uh, and sound is coming completely out of the um, out, out of main stage. So, um, so they're all controllers on the stage and they're all, you know, sent down into a, a, a MIDI Express XT by Motu for the MIDI interface, an 8x8 patcher. And, uh, and then the audio interface is the, um, the ultralight AVBs. David, do you use iPads or iPhones for any of this stuff? I do use the iPads. I have two iPads in my keyboard rig, uh, and I use them to change my uh, patches. Uh, so basically, uh, you know, uh, I use this program called um, Unreal Book, which, uh, you know, you can put, it's it's meant to use for charts and things like that. And so that you can remote turn pages with a Bluetooth foot switch, which, uh, which I can do. Um, but, but one of the power, most powerful features of it is that you can assign a MIDI program change to the PDF when you load it, and then you can put them in an order of the set. So, um, you know, I need to be able to step through the order of the songs in the set list at any point in time, you know, a, a, as we get to each song to go from song to song. So um, since I don't need charts for everything, I obviously you know, doing this a long time, I have pretty much everything memorized. Uh, so what I do is I make a PDF of just the title of the song, and uh, and I put that in the set list, and I can attach to that 
um, a mini program change that I need that. So, and I put them in order of the set in the, in one iPad so that I can step through the songs. But Billy will also, you know, quite often change the order of the set or call out a song that's not in the set list. So on my other iPad, I have all of the songs that I have programmed in alphabetical order. So I can jump to anything really quickly if he calls something um, unexpectedly or just starts playing a different song, which 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 does happen. Uh, he's very spontaneous and, um, you know, I never want him to have to wait for me. Yeah. And, and then at that point, you just change the programming of all the, the instrumentation with one tap. I, I exactly. use it. I use that app, but I just use it to play standards. I, I don't use it to program MIDI. So when you call <laughs> well, you, that, yeah, yeah, it does. It does that, uh, and uh, and it it does it really well. And you know, I also have some charts in there. If I, you know, sometimes I write uh, charts for the horn players or things like that, and I can keep them in there as well. So it's really, uh, you know, I used to carry around this giant book of all of my transcriptions and and all of my notes and everything, and now it's all inside the. Uh, the iPad. So, uh, and so, yeah, and I have two of them for, for that reason, but also for the reason that if one of them were to go down, then, then, you know, I have to be able to change my, um, patches. So, so it, the, the other one it functions as a backup too. I mean, it, it's probably a lot of pressure for you when you think about it, like you can never have a technology failure during a performance. That's just not an option for you. So you've got to think through everything. Yes, but technology uh, errors happen, you know, no matter how much you plan for it or, or, or you know, you can use the best equipment. You're still, uh, you know, you're still somewhat of, uh, uh, you know, you have to you have to have faith in the equipment that you use, but something still can happen. So when it does happen, it's really just a question of how you handle it. So a lot of times, you know, something will happen that I planned for in advance and I already have, you know, I know what to do immediately, but sometimes you get thrown a loop or you know, thrown a curveball, And, uh, you know, that's why I'm, I'm very, very hyper-focused during a gig, not only because I'm, you know, cause I'm playing, but more so cause I'm kind of flying a plane, if you will. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, everything has to work and some things do happen. Things do go wrong it's live performance and you know you have to handle it and you have to have a clear head and you have to figure out how am i going to get through this next song and get back up and running as quick as possible or what you know what am i going to do to uh to get through this now it doesn't happen often but it but it does happen i mean it's technology can you uh share with us like one uh, give us a story of like a time where you really had to use your technology jujitsu to get you out of a problem <laughs> well um you know, and in one of the early iterations of the keyboard rig, I did have a situation where both computers went down at once. But again, I, I had prepared for this possibility by having being able to switch to the outputs of the Kurzweil, and I restarted them both, uh, and uh, and you know, it came back pr pretty quickly. But I also have a, a Hammond organ on stage, which purposely does not have any MIDI cables attached to it. So sure. if I have a complete MIDI meltdown and my whole rig blows up, I can play organ. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, no, that that really hasn't happened but uh but the other situation where both computers crashed at the same time um did uh did happen and it was actually uh when something like that happens if both if two computers running the exact same things crash identically at the same time then that's usually a replicable rep replicable problem, which right. is a good thing because mm -hmm. then that means, okay, this definitely happened for a reason. I need to find out what the reason is and, 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 and figure out a way to, to get it to crash. And then once I can figure out how to get it to crash, I can figure out how to remedy the problem. And that, and that's what I did. And then I, you know, I fixed that issue and it never happened again. I'm trying to imagine like your blood pressure at the moment you realize they're both going down at the same time. 
<laughs> yeah, well, you know, you gotta you gotta stay focused and 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 stay stay present and uh, and just really have a clear head to handle something like that. Uh, you know, if it happens, uh, so it's really just a whole other dimension of performing uh, aside from me just being a musician. Which you know, Billy's Billy has a lot of great music and there's a lot to remember on that just on that side of things. But I have this whole other dimension that I'm dealing with at all times, and uh, it's just it's, it's what I do. It's it's just it's it's, sure. it's part of me, and it's you know. Uh, it's just it's what I do. <laughs> so you, you've talked a few times about debugging these setups, and uh, Shareforce, how do you do that? I mean, do you just like set it up at home and try and break it, or yes, what, yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, I I need to I need to do set up the the system, start going through, you know, go through patch after patch, patch changes, play this, play that, go through this, and and some of it is trial and error to get it to work optimally. For example, you know, you want to make sure that when you're setting up a, a, a rig or a system like what I have, I make sure that the, um, the you know, there's there's multiple Thunderbolt bus, buses on the uh, trash cans. And, and nowadays, even still, they, they do it that way. So I try to have each of my different interfaces on a unique uh, uh, bus. Uh, and uh, same with my streaming uh, uh, SSDs. Uh, they, I, I give them a dedicated uh, Thunderbolt bus so that they're not sharing with anything else on the audio interface. Now, theoretically, they have the power to be able to to handle both things, you know, without a problem. But why why take that chance? You know, so you, there are separate buses available if you plug in, in if you plug into the right ports. So a little bit of research, and I figured out you know which wh- where the port divisions are and how to keep things completely isolated from one one another and uh, I find that just helps the overall stability of the system yeah David this is uh really nerdy and it's something <laughs> a lot of people aren't aware of that if you open up a Mac those Thunderbolt ports sometimes they're connected and sometimes they're not and knowing the difference could make a big difference exactly same thing with USB some of the USB buses are shared amongst different mm-hmm. ports and and others are separate and uh, so all the all the information on every computer uh, if you, you just got to you know do a little bit of research and, and you can find out how it's put together uh, and it's to me you know why wait till I have a problem I just keep it separated because it's just you know I'm, I'm especially with the amount that I'm streaming from uh, you know when, when I'm because all of all the virtual instruments that I'm using um, I absolutely want to make sure that I have a dedicated bus for for that and 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 a thunderbolt bus too not 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 usb and and we've been talking about you know connecting it directly to the instruments but you also mentioned you've got ssds and maybe even other like thunderbolt um uh, boxes i mean there's so many points of fail every point of failure that you introduce is another risk for you so you must spend a bunch of time like figuring all that out too Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, but ultimately it's, it's like, you know, you're putting together a system and the system all, you know, has individual components, but they all work together. And sometimes it's, it's just plain trial and error. You have a problem and you got to try something different. And this is, this one is not talking to that one the way I need it to. And, and, and sometimes you just have to put it together like that. But ultimately the goal is to find a system that works and lock it in. And then I don't change anything. Uh, and I also carry spares. So, you know, like you mentioned the, uh, the Thunderbolt and 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 those types of things. I have spares of those should they go down, but that's not something that you would that I really could change during a show. But you know, I, you know yeah. Do you have a trusted vendor for those docs? I mean, a lot of users really struggle to find one that they like. Well, I use uh, OWC, Otherworld Computing. They have, sure. they make great stuff. The, the Thunder Bay Mini is what I use uh, on all of my systems because you can load four uh, four separate SSDs into it, um, and uh, and and uh, works over Thunderbolt. And uh, yeah, that. It w- works really great, and I also use their SSDs. They make great stuff. 
Yeah, both Stephen and I also use OWC. That's yep. a good affirmation for me. <laughs> I can see two yeah. of their cases right now behind my behind my computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they make great hubs and uh, and they they have have quite a lot of uh, great products. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Netsuite. Being a business owner or working closely with a business owner means knowing your numbers. If your business earns millions or maybe even tens of millions of dollars in revenue. Stop what you're doing and take a listen, because NetSuite by Oracle has just rolled out their best offer. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need to make better decisions faster. And for the first time in NetSuite's 22 years as the number one cloud financial system, you can defer payments on a full NetSuite implementation for six months. That's no payment and no interest for six months. And you can take advantage of this special financing offer today. So why is NetSuite number one anyway? Well, they give your business everything you need in real time, all in one place to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecasts, increase productivity across every department. That's really where this comes to shine, where you can bring these things together across various parts of your business, having all the information you need in one place. That makes your decision making much easier. I know as a business owner, that it makes a real difference. When I'm making a decision with Mike, we need all the information available. The NetSuite offer is extraordinary. So join the 33,000 companies who are already using NetSuite. They've gained visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. So if you've been sizing up NetSuite to make the switch, then you know this deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage of the special offer by going to netsuite.com slash MPU. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E, netsuite.com slash MPU. There you can get the visibility and control you need to weather any storm. Our thanks to NetSuite for their support of the show and Relay FM. So David, you're on the road a lot. Mm -hmm. A lot of our listeners also are on the road for various things. Uh, share us some of your favorite tech tips just when you're getting on the road to you know kind of hold all this stuff together. Well, I think, you know, if you're a keyboard player uh, or if you're anybody, any musician who's relying on technology, as I do, you really got to spend time ahead of time uh, basically trying to make it fail. You can't assume that just because it's working at home that it's, you're going to take it everywhere and it's going to work all the time. You got to try, you know, odd combinations of patch changes flipping through the patches really quickly, uh, jumping from song to song, uh, you know, do a restart, a cold restart in case you had to do that. Does everything come back up to a perfect starting point? Um, all, all these different types of things that you have to try to do in um, when you're home programming or in rehearsal settings uh, before you get in front of an audience uh, so that you can try to be prepared for any situation that might arise. But as much as you do that, you can't, nobody can possibly prepare for everything. Mm -hmm. So the next most important thing to do is to just really have a good, deep understanding of your equipment that you're using, such that if you do have an unexpected problem, that you can, you know, 
think through it logically and go, okay, well, let's see, this piece is working. That's connected to that. The problem here that, okay. And then, and then you just really quickly, you have to troubleshoot, uh, you know, with an understanding of the signal flow to isolate where the problem is. And then, and then you figure it out, okay, it's either this cable or that device or that cable. And I can do that pretty quickly in my head because, you know, I designed my system and, and, and I know exactly how the whole thing is put together uh, mm. better than anybody else. So, so when there is a problem, you know, I'm, I'm very quick to, to, to troubleshoot it. And you've told us you, you've got um, the two trash cans, you know, that travel with you. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about your, your like cables and drive backups and all that stuff. How many extras and spares do you bring with you with that kind of gear? Well, I have I have spare cables for everything. At least one, or preferably two, spare cables for every cable that exists in the rig. Uh, that's that's ready to use uh, should I need it. I have you know backup keyboards because they're they're controllers. Uh, you know, but nonetheless, you know, if if one were to go down, I want to replace it with something identical right away. So I carry spares of those, um, and I carry spares of of pretty much. You know all of the devices, like I mentioned earlier, the um, the Thunderbolt docks, uh, the uh, the uh, audio interfaces, the MIDI interfaces. Um, yeah, I mean pretty pretty much everything I carry a, a spare of. I, the, the gear doesn't really break that often, but it can. You know, uh, and you, you you know you never know. And but usually when things get damaged, they it happens in travel. You know, they bounce around too much in a truck or something happens. You know, we have one of the best road crews. I, I should say the best road crew in the world, and they're so careful with the stuff. But still, it bounces around a lot in a truck, and and things can happen. So usually when a, a piece of gear is not working, I know it in the afternoon at sound check, and then then there's time to either uh, fix it. Uh, uh, get you know get it up and running again or or swap it out with a spare but it doesn't happen that often it also sounds like a massive amount of like cabling to connect all these things do you are you the guy who connects it or does somebody else do that well i have a i have a keyboard tech who sets up my uh my uh uh gear every night and he does a great job but i'm the guy who connected it all initially i made the whole sure. system i designed the system and made it all work and then uh but then once it's you know it looks a little bit messy when you first create a system but then you know my keyboard tech comes over and we build the system together and and you know make it look all nice and neat so cuz you know even though i i love cables i don't want anyone to see any of my cables in a live performance, the keyboard rig should always look super clean and neat, and uh, and no, you know, cables can can be an eyesore. Uh, so so that takes a little bit of effort to to go through and really clean it up. But you can't do that until you've pretty much you know debugged the whole system in terms of how how the system is going to operate. Do you guys use a system? Like, how do you know like? When you've got 30 cables, how do you know which one is which? You label them or use any Absolutely. Kind of- Everything is labeled, and a lot of things are color-coded, too, uh, because that way, you know, you can do it even faster if things are, you know, if you if you have a snake. Things are also snaked together of like to- like kinds. For example, there's if there's a MIDI snake coming from the stage, you know, there might be, you know, six or eight MIDI cables, and they're all they're all just in one loom. You don't want to sit there running multiple cables, one after another after another. You just drop a snake of, of, of a batch of cables, and then they come out, and they they fan out on the one end and they're numbered and a lot of times also color coded because you can do it really quickly that way. And they just, they just, that way that you don't, you don't have to think too much when you do it. You just go boop, 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 boop. And also every, every one of the cables are cut to length. So they, they go, they go exactly to the length that they need to be. And that way, especially in, on, uh, for the onstage part of things where the cables are seen, every cable is the exact length and it goes right, you know, off to the side and goes down my, my keyboard stands and it's Velcroed to the keyboards, keyboard stand. So everything looks nice and neat and you don't really see the cables at all 
Yeah, with that much organization, do you bring that home too? Like, is your home set up like perfectly set up as well? Um, well, it's, it, you know, it's not, I'm not performing here at home. I have a studio. Yeah. I, I try to keep my studio very neat, but it's a different, it's a different, uh, workflow. It's a different creative process. Uh, it, everything is different the way you function in the studio. Uh, you basically, the biggest difference is you don't have an audience. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, if there's some cables laying around here or there, it's okay. As long as, as long as I get the job done of what I need to record. Yeah. That makes me feel better about myself because I was listening <laughs> to you about your stage and looking at my cables here thinking, man, I got some work to do. Yeah, but I will. I will say this: stay, staying organized in the studio, even you know, with all the cables, is really important too. Because if you're doing a session and you do have a problem, you don't want to be you know looking through a pile of spaghetti to find where the cable is that might be causing the issue. So, so it's important when you build the studio to to do it neatly and and do it organized in a way such that you know when you do have a problem that you can find it quickly. Mm-hmm. Really, the thing I'm I'm struck by listening to you describe all of this is that you know your gear inside and out, right? You've designed these components to come together and do the job that that you need them to do. I'm, I'm struck by sort of, even though we're talking about your world, almost how universal that is. Like no matter what someone's doing with their Mac, right? If they're uh, on stage in front of 30,000 people or they're just running a small business at home and everything in between, right? There's so much value in understanding what your gear is doing. Like you've talked a lot about signal flow. And back a hundred years ago when I was doing my Mac Genius training, we had a lot of conversation about that in terms of not only does how how a Mac works internally, right? Like this is what the CPU does and data goes on and off the disk through memory and all these things. But also, okay, if you're looking at a network issue, you know, how do you troubleshoot that from you know, the pole at the street with the Xfinity uh, box hanging on it all the way down to somebody's local workstation. And I think that's a great thing for people to think about is, is looking at their setup sort of from that systematic standpoint and understanding how these different pieces uh, really relate to each other. And I think it's, you know, the scale's different for everybody, but I think it's an important troubleshooting step to understand where data and power and things go. Absolutely. Well, signal flow is signal flow, and every device that you use has a path that the that the signal flows in, and and it's really important to understand that. That doesn't mean that you have to know how to open up a computer and repair it. You right. don't, for, for you know, but but you have to understand basic signal flow such that you can you know you have a good working knowledge of uh, of 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 how your system works. You know, a, a good analogy is like the pilot of a plane. You know, the pilot flies the plane; he doesn't fix it. He knows when something's wrong and he knows how to get around an issue and make it work if need be or use backup system. But, you know, most of them are not going to, you know, climb under the plane and fix it. There's a different it's a different skill set for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so but but the, the more you understand about your equipment, um, the, the you know, the, the, the better you you'll be able to use it and, and the more power you'll, you'll get out of it, because a lot of. A lot of equipment now is just so incredibly powerful these days, and and you know a lot of people don't take the time to really dive in and 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 learn all the different things that uh, that every device can do. It's 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 really really remarkable. You've been at this for a long time. I mean, you were there at the beginning, in essence, of digital music. Um, what do you see as the friction points today for the type of work you're doing? You know, what are the parts that need to get better? Let's see. I I would love to see systems that load quicker that you know systems are so powerful these days 
And computers are so fast, but the apps are more and more demanding. So, you know, for me to completely launch my whole keyboard system for everything to get loaded still takes, you know, a couple of minutes. And uh, that's an eternity if you have to redo it, if you have to do it during a show. Um, so, you know, instant on would be a great thing to have happen if that is ever possible. Having said that, computers start up so much faster nowadays than they did, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, so so that it has come a long way in that regard. Um but, uh, yeah, you know, it's hard to say what, uh, what would be ideal next because I, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I couldn't even conceive of what I'm doing with my keyboard rig now. <laughs> so, yeah. so, uh, but what I can tell you is whatever comes out, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to play around with it and find new ways to get, you know, sounds that I never got before and new ways to do things to make it easier and more powerful and smaller too. Uh, so I'm always going to be, uh, you know, tinkering around with that type of stuff and looking, looking for new things. I, I just, I, you know, I love it. It's a, it's uh it's a passion to, to stay on top of technology and, uh, uh, you know, I, I find it a whole lot of fun. It's kind of a hobby as well. Yeah. I do think that when you get to a point that you can move to Apple Silicon, you're going to see a much faster boot up. I mean, that's mm-hmm. been the case universe. I mean, you, I'm sure you have some of those machines already and they just, they boot up so much faster than the old Intel machines did. Right. And one of the other tricky things too, is that, uh, you know, Apple changes their operating system so fast because they have, you know, huge teams of people working on it. And it's, so if you use a lot of uh, third-party plugins or third-party apps, a lot of them are, are you know, are spending a lot of their time uh, making things work from version from OS to OS. And, yeah. and that takes a lot of time away that they could be developing new ideas and, you know, creating new features. And that's, that's a frustrating sort of bottleneck in, you know, in, in, in technology. Uh, um, you know, I see, I see both sides of the coin on that story, but it's, uh, it's, uh, hopefully they'll find a, an equilibrium, equilibrium at some point with that, such that the, uh, uh, the smaller boutique companies can, can, uh, uh, will be in a position to be able to create more mm-hmm. often and more effectively, uh, more frequently rather, uh, and not just be chasing their tails constantly trying to make their existing products work with every new operating system when it comes out. Yeah, Steve and I have talked about this before. I'm a big fan of Apple switching the Mac to a two-year upgrade cycle where mm-hmm. you know just every two years give us a new version of Mac OS. Um, and that way that not only gives the third-party developers time to work on their apps, it also gives Apple time to make their native apps and things better, you know, because they've got the same problem. Like if they, you know, they get two or three months to come up with new features and then they spend the rest of their time getting it ready for release and then fixing it after it releases. And then they got another two or three months where if you made it a two year plan, they would have like a year to work on new stuff. And I think it would be a lot better. I completely agree with that. I, I I I think that's a fantastic idea. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but <laughs> but it's really it's really uh, it, it really would would uh, would be a great benefit to to so many people to to do that. Yeah. I am hopeful that that we're entering a a slightly slower period. I mean, I don't think they're going to give up their annual release cycle, but the last four or five years we've come through the thirty two to sixty four bit transition, which killed a bunch of old apps and mm-hmm. um and now we've gone from Intel to Apple Silicon and that's going to take a while to wrap up but I I hope looking forward that we can enjoy some years of stability I, I think some of the changes that the Mac has undergone over the last few years was obviously leading up to Apple Silicon right they didn't want to support 32 bit frameworks on Apple Silicon so they they got rid of that early so, you know, that that version of the OS could be the bad guy and not the one that came on your new M1. But 
almost everyone we talk to who <laughs> depends on a Mac professionally, like we all share this opinion that uh, it's just it's just too fast and it doesn't need to be. This platform is 22 years old. I mean, OS 10 came out in 2001. Like mm-hmm. we can take a breath. It's okay. Right, right. Well, I mean, having said all that, which, and I agree completely with that, we're also on the verge of seeing AI enter our world in, in ways that none of us can yet predict. Uh, so uh, who knows how that's going to change everything? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was thinking about asking you about that with respect to music composition and sound generation. But um, then I thought, well, I don't know. Well, tell me, is that something that's on your radar at this point? Are you starting to experiment with it? Well, I, I'm not actually experimenting with, with it yet, but I'm very curious about it. It's, I find the technology both fascinating and somewhat frightening. It's, it's, it's really uh, remarkable what it can do, uh, but used to the benefit of society. I think it's going to be amazing, but, you know, it's also kind of scary, some of the things that it could do. So, um, you know, I don't know yet exactly how I'll be incorporating it into music and into what I do, but surely it's it's an exciting new technology, and uh, I'm sure it's going to find its way uh, into what I do, uh, in, into all, all facets. Really, I think it's going to infiltrate all, all facets of society. Uh, it, I, I think it's a really big deal what's what's uh, what's happening with that, and we're right on the cutting edge of it. Yeah, and this seems to come up now almost every show. So I try not to turn this into the AI show, but my mm-hmm. my thought on this. And I'll keep saying it because I want people to keep hearing it. Is you should not be afraid of this stuff. Just look to ways you can help you do your job better. You know, some people are going to abuse it, but uh, a guy like you, I'm sure you'll be able to use it to help you. You know, streamline the composition process or the sound generation. I think there's ways eventually that it'll be like an assistant to you. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what I will be. That's what I will be looking to use it for. How can I be a better musician by using it? How can I make better music, create better sounds, or or find newer, easier ways to do you know what I need to get to 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 get done and recording, performing everything you know. So so uh, I look forward to to that, and I, I am always embrace new technologies and uh, uh, just you know we're right like we're right on the edge of that now. And it's just like with writing, like as a human, I'm interested in reading other things people write. I'm interested in listening to music other people make, not music made by a computer. And that's just a a basic part of my humanness. So I think Mm -hmm. that there is a path for us, but you're right. It is is an interesting time because this is all so new right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Indeed. Go to Indeed.com slash MPU and join more than 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. What's a game where no one wins? The waiting game. When it comes to hiring, don't wait for great talent to find you. Find them first with Indeed. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, you can use their powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. According to Indeed data, U.S. Indeed's hiring platform really is great because it gets you one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with the quality candidates. Even better, Indeed is the only job site where you can only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements, making it an unbelievably powerful hiring platform. 
delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talentness 2019. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash MPU. That offer is good for a limited time. So claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash MPU. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash MPU. Terms and conditions apply. Do you need to hire? You need Indeed. And our thanks to Indeed for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. I want to talk some about the software side as well. You've mentioned MainStage and some other software tools that, that you're using. Uh, and I, I want to know, kind of get a lay of a land from an expert of where these apps are. And I'm particularly interested in MainStage because that's not something that we that we talk about very often. And listeners mm-hmm. may not have even come across this, even though it's from Apple. So could we start there? Well, sure. So so in a nutshell, MainStage is a live performance version of Logic. Um, you know, it, it basically has the same channel strips that Logic has and and the same audio paths, and you can use plugins in the same way that Logic can, but it doesn't record sequences like Logic does. It's meant to just set up sounds and map the sounds, you know, up, 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 you know, up and down the keyboard as you need to. For, live, for the purpose of live performance. And then you can recall them at the touch of a button. So one of the things that I do, for example, is I, I divide my keyboard, let's say I'm doing uh, on any given song, I'll divide the keyboard up into different zones and I'll like have one zone where I'll play the verse sound that I need and maybe uh, you know the, the middle of the keyboard will be something that I play in the chorus and the top part will be like a string sound or whatever. And, and, and every song I map it out such for whatever I need for that particular song. Uh, and then main stage can recall that instantaneously, and um, and each zone can have whatever sounds I assign to it using different plugins and whatnot. So um, it's it's really it's very powerful. But it, main stage also can function uh, for guitar players and people using other instruments. Uh, you know that you can use um, uh, you know pedal boards and things like that. It, it really can control any number of things in a live performance uh, um, setting. So uh, it's it's really really a very powerful app. And I would add to it, so I'm a main stage user as well, but not Mm -hmm. nearly at the scope that David is. I'm a guy who fiddles around at home. with. I have Mm -hmm. a MIDI sax, and I have a MIDI controller keyboard. And I use main stage because it's just so easy. You know, you can put the sounds into it. I don't need to, like, do them on the fly. I'm not worried, you know, about Billy Joel calling me out to play, (laughs) you know, the next (laughs) song with him. But it's just so easy. You set it up on your Mac, and it is so far superior to anything I could afford to, you know, they make little sound boxes you can connect to a MIDI device and it'll generate sounds, but you have very little control over them mm-hmm. and they're, they're very expensive. And if you already have a Mac, you just need the software and a MIDI interface. And now that can just be as simple as a cable with a mm-hmm. MIDI board on one side, a USB on the other. And you can, you can make beautiful sounds with your mm-hmm. MIDI keyboards. And it's really fun. I, I think a lot of people who, who, who are, have any inclination with music and access to a MIDI instrument, you need to load this thing up on your Mac and just play with it. Yeah, it's really great. And uh, also, people should play around with GarageBand. It comes with the Mac, uh, and it kind of comes in the iPad as well. And it's really that's sort of like a uh, entry-level version of Logic, Logic, Logic being the uh, the pro version of it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's so easy to use, and you can just experiment around with it and play with it, you know, it's just, and, and, and come up with stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's a great way to, to get exposed to this if you haven't tried it yet. 
And main stage is very affordable. Is it, what's it, 29 bucks or something like that? Yeah, it's less than 100, I know, but I, mm-hmm. I don't remember. Um, I think I got it. It came with Logic. And, you know, I think I did buy it separately now that I think about it. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a great app. Um, have mm-hmm. you ever, uh, has Apple ever reached out to you or have you ever talked to Apple about, like, the things you would like the software to do more? I would imagine some I, of the does I the do, kind yes. Of I'm, I'm very, I'm in, I'm in very close touch with the, uh, with the people who, who created Mainstage. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I do, uh, uh, there, there's quite a number of features in Mainstage that were my suggestion, yes. <laughs> I love that, yeah. yeah. It's good, yeah. though. They're reaching out to the people that use it under fire and, and making it better that way. I always like to hear that. It's great. I mean, and uh, it it works. It, it works for me too because I get the features that I use, but that I need. But a lot of times, these are features not just so unique to what I want to do. They're they're features that 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 are real helpful for a lot of different people. And you know the uh, so so yeah, they they've been very cool about uh, uh, welcoming my input. So is Mainstage and Logic your primary like audio recording and composing tools, or what no? Else? I in my studio I use Pro Tools. Uh, okay. You know, which is which is uh, you know. Basically, the same idea as Logic. They they do the same types of things, and they're both you know one's a BMW and one's a Mercedes. You know, <laughs> so it's a it's yeah. a, uh, I, I've been using Pro Tools forever, and I'm faster. I know my way around a Logic a little bit, uh, but uh, but I I'm just uh, I just been using Pro Tools for so long that I'm I'm just more comfortable with that platform. Uh, but yes, but main stage for for live performance, and of course I use Finale for um, for music notation. Uh, you know, right now I'm working on a, a huge project of uh, of um, correcting all of Billy's. Uh, sheet music. Uh, so, you know, I, I do a lot of things with notation. When I do orchestration, I write scores and things like that. I, I do that right, you know, directly into Finale. And that's that's a whole nother uh, world of, uh, of software there that's exciting to use too. Yeah. And that for folks listening, that's software that actually prints the music out. So, correct. You know, yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, so much of this stuff, I mean, again, you've seen over the course of your career, you probably remember as a kid going down and buying the the scoring paper that has like 32 lines staffs on it and you'd be trying to write it all in and get someone to copy out the, the parts for the musicians, all that stuff now is digital. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, I, in the early days of, of that, um, I used to still do it on using pencil and paper and then I would transfer it into the computer. And then, you know, just all of a sudden I reached a point like, why, why am I still using paper and pencil? It's just, it's an unnecessary step. And so I really don't, I really hardly ever use that. Uh, obviously I haven't lost my ability to write, you know, onto, onto a score if I needed to do it. Uh, and sometimes it's really helpful to write things in. Uh, but, uh, but generally speaking, I, I, I use, I do it in the, in the software all the time. Have you played with any of the composition tools they have for iPad now where you can use an Apple pencil and score or, or use it with a pencil? Um, I, I've, I've seen some of that. I think it's really cool technology, but, uh, you know, it's, I, I, I prefer to create, uh, you know, by, by playing and by, by coming sure. up with stuff in my head and then writing it down or, you know, either way. But I suppose you could you could you know stumble across some interesting things that way too. You never know where an inspiration could come from. Yeah, it, it is. The creative tools are so amazing now. When I was a kid, I was trying to um, do there. The big thing when I was a kid was a four track recorder. Like if you could mm-hmm. get a four track recorder, but you had to like mow a lot of lawns to get one of those. So <laughs> what we did was we just we took two tape recorders. I think they were like Sears recorders, and we would re- play the piano record it and then we'd play the recording and we'd play along with the recording and record onto another one it was Mm -hmm. terrible you know it's like 
you know, if I was a kid and, and GarageBand was out, boy, that would have been something. Sure, sure. Yeah, I used to do that too. I remember I had a, a Radio Shack a little portable cassette player yeah. with a speaker built into it, and I had, and yeah. then there was a Craig, I think, made one that was a, a portable one, and I, yeah, I used to, or Panasonic, I don't remember uh, exactly, but yeah, I, and I ended up getting two of them, and I would hold the speaker of one of them over the mic to the other, yeah. and then and then play along with it and try try to balance it out. So, but you know what? That's that that is overdubbing, and that's how I learned how to overdub. And uh, yeah, you're right. In the end, it didn't sound very good, but it worked, and you. Were were able to hear back uh, of what it sounds like to layer up a bunch of parts and uh, um, you know and again I, I was fortunate to learn in recording studios where we had tape machines and locking up multiple 24 track machines and all that stuff to to and all the tricks that had to go along with uh, that style of recording and and you you know you had to know the console and and the patch base and everything and and uh, you know and now it all lives inside of Pro Tools or or, or Logic or whatever uh, digital audio workstation that you're using uh, it's really it's really remarkable. David, you've had this amazing journey. Like you've kind of watched music and digital music in particular mature throughout your career. If someone's listening and they want to kind of, they're at the beginning of the journey and they think they want to start doing more digital music or, or just learn about this stuff, where would you recommend they go to start? I would recommend be, you know, just learning as much as you can in as many different areas as you can, you know, be a sponge, absorb everything. Because when you get out there and you start your career, you can't script your career. You don't know how it's going to go. And you'd never know which ones of which which of your skills you're going to need to draw on later in life. So so while you're young and you have time to practice a lot and you have time to learn different technologies and learn all these different things, you know, put invest the time because later in life it comes back in ways that you couldn't even conceive of. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm so fortunate that I studied all these different technologies, not only technologies, but arranging and orchestrating and, uh, you know, performance and uh, keyboard playing and all this other stuff. And, you know, if I were to, throughout my career only to have been a keyboard player, I would have had some really, uh, you know, lean times. But uh, because I have this this vast skill set, I'm able to do a lot of different types of jobs. And it's not always keyboard playing uh, that I'm making a living from. So, uh, you know, and who could have predicted that? So, you know, that's looking back, that's kind of what, uh, what I, I, you know, I'm really glad that I invested that time in, uh, to grow in those ways. And that's what I would recommend to, uh, to young students as well. And, and I would almost flip that too. say, if you are approaching retirement and you're getting a point where you have more free time, maybe your kids are grown, uh, exploring instruments like uh, GarageBand and some of the things David has been talking about is a great way to keep your keep those synapses firing between your ears because uh, there's nothing wrong with a with an old guy or gal picking this thing up new now too. It's so much easier now than it ever was before. Absolutely, yeah. The, the tools that are available available to the average person uh, are just incredible uh, you know, compared to you know what it used to take entire roomfuls of equipment and 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 roomfuls of technicians to use it and to run it. And now it's really it's so easy to use. Yeah, there's a bit of a learning curve if you're new to it, but but you know, but it is attainable. It's not it's not really that hard. And you just you dive in, play around with it, and you know most software nowadays is set up in ways that you can actually play around with it until you know what you're doing, and then you know, over time you, you know, you gain, gain some knowledge and then there's lots of great tutorials on YouTube and there's, there's just a vast amount of information out there, uh, that is so useful and helpful for, for learning new things these days. It's, it's really amazing. 
Yeah, I remember when I was in high school, I was in the state jazz band, and we wanted to learn that that break that Charlie Parker did at the end of Night in Tunisia, and we could not figure it out. One of my buddies knew a guy in Italy that had it figured out, so we wrote a letter to Italy, and he <laughs> sent us the transcription. Today, wow. he's, it's, you're, you're one YouTube search away from that. You know, I mean, anything you want to learn that uh, so much of music, I felt like when I was uh, young, was forbidden knowledge. You had to find a teacher to share it mm-hmm. with you. And now it's just all out there and, mm-hmm. and anybody can, with a little time and patience can pick up so much of it. That's so, that's so true. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's why all this technology is so exciting because uh, you know, it, it, it brings it, it, it makes so many things available to the, to, to everyday people. You don't have to be a, a dedicated professional to enjoy the power of, of making music uh, using computers. It's, it's, it's really, it's really easy to, to, uh, and and you can get some instant gratification too by just playing around with it a little bit, and uh, you find yourself learning quickly. And going back to that that Mac Plus at the beginning of the episode, that's been Apple's gig the whole time, right? Bringing you know in the old days, bringing the GUI, bringing uh, simple tools to people who could afford expensive Macintosh. But over the the decades, I think that's where Apple's at its best, where they bring this you know high technology, this great technology, these tools. And puts them in the hands of regular people or students or business owners, whoever it may be. And that's what that's why the stuff is so exciting to all of us, I think. Mm-hmm. That's really what got me on the Mac. Because I my first big computer purchase was an Atari ST. And David mm-hmm. will remember that one because it had built-in MIDI ports. But the software was garbage and it didn't work, you know. And then <laughs> like I got used to a Mac and you have to buy a separate interface for your MIDI, but you know, I really feel like the Mac has always been a platform that lets you create and doesn't require you to spend all your time defragging your drives and like running the computer. It lets you create. And, uh, and David's career is certainly an example of that. Yeah, absolutely. I would, uh, I would agree with that completely. It's, uh, the Mac and, and all the, the peripherals that surround it and, and everything about the Mac throughout the years has been such a big part of what I do. And getting back to what I said earlier, this is something that didn't even exist when I was a student. You know, So who, who could have conceived of having a, a, a personal computer that you can carry around with you with an entire keyboard rig in it? it you know, you, we couldn't even conceive of something like that when I was a student and learning. But yet sure. I, learned, I, learned the, I learned signal flow. I learned how these things work and how they function. And, and all of that knowledge applies to what I'm doing today, even with all of this um, sophisticated technology. Under the hood, it's all the same concepts. This episode of MPU is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Breathe some life into your own backyard with fastgrowingtrees.com this spring. From shade to fresh fruit to privacy and natural beauty, let fastgrowingtrees.com help you plant your dream garden with their expert advice and fast, reliable shipping. FastGrowingTree.com's plant experts curate thousands of easy-to-grow plant, shrub, and tree varieties for your unique climate. Lemons to evergreens and everything in between is available. A lot of us want nice greenery around our homes, but it can be hard to know which plants will do best. But you don't have to worry about that because you get customized recommendations based on your specific needs. And their plant experts are always available to help you Keep your plants growing healthy through the season and beyond. So there's no more waiting in long lines and hauling heavy plants around. You order online and your plants arrive at your door in just a few days. At the beginning of the year, we had a tree cut down on our property. And what used to get shade is now in full sun. And we 
didn't really know what to do. So we went to fast growing trees, picked out a few plants, answered uh, their form on the website. So you tell it the sort of uh, climate information and specific information about where you want to plant. And it gave us some great recommendations. We've been really happy with the plants we've gotten from them. And with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, we know everything is going to look great. So join over the 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash MPU and get 15% off your entire order. That's 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash MPU. Our thanks to Fast Growing Trees for the support of the show and Relay FM. David, we always like to end up the show just talking about a few of the guest favorite apps and services. You've been using a Mac for a long time. Are there any little apps or services that bring you joy and delight? Hmm. Joy and delight comes from things that work reliably. <laughs> okay, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah I love that. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, but there, there, there are a lot of things that I use. I mean, in any given day, I'm using. You know, on the music side of things, I could be using Mainstage. I could be using Pro Tools. I could be using Finale uh, for notation. I could be using. Um, you know, some of the many uh, synth plugins that I that I use to, to you know for sounds. And that's just that's just a you know on the music side of thing. Of course, I use iPads for what I'm doing to change my programs uh, on stage to uh, you know look up things on the internet or do whatever I need to do during the day, learn stuff, watch tutorials, as we as we um, talked about earlier. And then in, on the other side of things, you know, I have my um, you know on my my in my office, I'm always running uh, you know Microsoft Office. I'm running Quicken. I'm using Zoom. We're using Zoom to communicate right now. Uh, yeah. There's there's all these great. Uh, apps and different tools out there, um, you know, it's, it's really fascinating. And, uh, so I, I always try to talk to other, uh, power users and find out how they do things. Uh, sometimes you pick up uh, ideas and come across something that you hadn't thought of and, um, and you get turned on to something new and, uh, and that's fun, but you know, it's, computers are just such a, it's just a part of the everyday thing. And of course, you know, where would we be without our phones? I mean, it's, it's, you know, the, the power of, of the phone is, is, is remarkable. And, uh, to the point now where it's like, if I had a cho- choice between losing my phone or losing my wallet, well, you know, I could, <laughs> if I lost my wallet, I could use my phone to replace everything really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, the, the phone is such an invaluable tool and it's, um, uh, you know, not, not just, for, not only for work things and work related, uh, and keeping up with news and all things like that. Uh, but it's also an enjoyable thing and keeping in touch with people through social media, texting, whatever, all these things have infiltrated into our everyday life such that it's hard to imagine what life was like without it. Yeah. If Apple gets its way one day, your phone will be your wallet. You know, that's what they're working on. <laughs> well, and well, it's all already kind of happening. Yes. That's very true. Yeah. I was thinking with a guy like you, you must be so busy, like you're doing tour dates, so you're on the road a lot, and then you also have contract work and other stuff you're doing. How do you manage your calendar? My calendar is pretty full, but you know, I somehow find time to get everything done. Although never as much as I would like to do, there's always projects that uh, I'm anxious to do and and have to get put off when there's things that get you know that need priority uh, on my time. So it's it's always a bit of a juggling act. But, uh, you know, I love what I do. So, you know, when you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Um, so it's my, my, my work is my hobby as well. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I get up every day looking forward to whatever is on my plate for that day. There's always something cool to learn, something new to do. And, uh, 
Um, you know, and I still look forward to every performance that we do. Uh, you know, I, it, it, it hasn't gotten old and I, and I still really, really enjoy every show. All right. Last question. What does it feel like to be there on stage playing with 30,000 people screaming in delight? It must be <laughs> something else. It's pretty awesome. And, and, you know, it gives you an adrenaline rush such that if they could ever figure out a way how to put that in a vial, it'd probably be the most popular drug of all time. But uh, it's it's really, it's just a great feeling to be up there and 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 to be performing and doing what I love to do and what I'm so comfortable doing uh, and, and and seeing how the people respond to it, uh, particularly with Billy Joel's music. His his music lights up people's faces in a way that I've never seen with any of any, any, any other concert that I've been to or played or anything like that. It's just, there's something really unique about his uh, music and um, you know, it's, it's, it's really just a great experience. And I always try to ma- make sure that I never take it for granted. Uh, at, at, at every gig that I do, I try to take one moment and sort of take a mental snapshot of the whole scene mm. of things and sort of, you know, write it to disc in my brain, if you will, <laughs> because you never, you never know when it's going to be the last time that you get to do that. And, uh, so I'm, I'm very, uh, conscious of how fortunate I am to, to have been able to perform all of these years and, uh, and uh, be a, a full-time musician through my whole life. And uh, I'm very grateful for that and for all the opportunities uh, that I've had. And uh, I never take it for granted. So I, I always make sure that I appreciate it. Well, we're very grateful that you took the time to talk with us today. Um, uh, David had emailed me, gang, to say, well, you know, how geeky do you want me to get? And I said, take off all the stops. Just bring it. And he <laughs> did. And we really appreciate it. Um, uh, gang, you can find David at davidrosenthal.com, and he has an excellent Instagram. Uh, his Instagram, I would recommend checking that out. We've got some YouTube videos that you interviews you had done showing how you set up your rig on the road. So if people want to go deeper on that, we're going to put some links for that in. Is there anywhere else people should go to check you out, David? Yeah, I don't know. You pretty much covered the gamut of it. Uh, there's a lot of things floating around, YouTube videos on the internet. A lot of it's on my website, which you mentioned. And uh, yeah, I guess there's a wiki page as well. Yeah, there's 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 lots of stuff out there floating around. So uh, check it out. What you know, whatever you see. <laughs> I, I love your on your website because I sent you the initial email inquiry about guesting on the show, and the website says, "Look, you can email me, but do not ask me for tickets to a Billy Joel concert." <laughs> <laughs> you, you'd be surprised how many people do it anyway. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just try to cut down. You know, uh, it's it's hard to answer all the emails that I get, but you know, I do try to read them. And uh, uh, but yeah, it's 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 frustrating. So I try to you know when when you get emails like that, and you know, so I try to just sort of filter it out a little bit. Oh yeah, I I love it. I love the idea that you put the constraint right there up front. So don't get any mistake here, gang. And uh, and frankly, I need to do that with some of my email accounts as well. But the uh, either way, it's it's uh, really great having you on. We really, really enjoyed it. Thanks again for joining us, and um, good luck with everything, man. Great. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, it's been a, been a whole lot of fun, and thanks for having me. We are the Mac Power Users. You can find us at Relay.fm slash MPU. Thank you to our sponsors today, 1Password, NetSuite, Indeed, and Fast Growing Trees. And we'll see you next time.